Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of What to Watch on Netflix. I'm your host, Jed Shepard, and I'm joined today by a co-host of another podcast I do called The Pilot, and this is Mr. Rob Jelly. Where is he? You're there, oh, you're me. right there. Oh, hello, yes, it's me. You right? right? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are Ooh, you today, Rob? Just, just relieving my gas all over yeah, you. Yeah, you've been throwing that Coke bottle over this entire office. Well, you know, it, it wanted to go exploring, exactly. so I thought I'd let it go for a roll around <laughs> and whatnot. Um, I haven't spilled any on the electrical equipment yet, but there's still time. There is still time. <laughs> it's, is your, still... it's your electrical equipment, so it's fine. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, good point. I'll put the lid back on, actually. <laughs> uh, I'm well. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm very good, thank you. I'm enjoying uh, season two of What to Watch on Netflix. I'm going for seasons instead of series because um, there's a lot of American listeners, so I want them to feel a little bit at home. So I'm okay. calling this season two rather than series two. Yeah, I, I kind of find... I, I probably use the word season more than series. It makes sense because seasons, like the real seasons, are like multiple ones per year. And a series should be all-encompassing every series true a series so, of seasons so in this particular case americans are right in all other cases the british have the have the words final uh, say on things yeah, yeah force absolutely. it what's that <laughs> um so as you guys may already know uh this podcast is about recommendations what happens is i have three recommendations of film tv shows documentaries and then my guest has three tv shows films documentaries or cartoons anything which they will present um, and we make sure that everything we choose is on a streaming service so even though this is called what to watch on netflix net the word netflix is a catch-all for all streaming services so if you haven't got netflix if you don't want to spend five or a month that is fine because sometimes you can find them on youtube daily motion vimeo amazon prime etc etc et but luckily i think most of these are on netflix i believe so um, so we'll get right into format. Okay. Um, and my first choice of what to watch Netflix is a documentary that is on Netflix right now called Man vs. Snake. <laughs> Do you know this, Rob? No, but I'm guessing it involves a man and a snake. No, actually. Well, that's <laughs> false advertising right at the it start. It is false advertising. But let me give you the full title. Um, it's called Man vs. Snake, The Long and Twisted Tale of Nibbler. So... <laughs> This I'm even more is, confused than I was a minute ago. This is not a sex comedy. This is a documentary, <laughs> a 2016 documentary uh, about a high score in an arcade game. Right, okay. So, okay, so this is, there's this arcade game called Nibbler. And to be honest, I, I'm quite au fait with arcade machines. I'd not really heard of Nibbler before. It isn't one of those, it isn't Donkey Kong. It's not... The Simpsons. It's not a big arcade machine that you played when you it's were It's not a Pac-Man. Yeah, it's not your Pac-Mans. This is Nibbler, a machine that no one really wanted to play, but it was there. Um, mostly in America. Is in, it like Wreck-It Ralph in the film Wreck-It Ralph? Yeah. It's well, neglected for all the cooler games. Exactly. But the reason why this game came to prominence, as you find out in this documentary, is um, there was this very famous arcade in America called Twin Galaxies. And the special thing about Twin Galaxies is the guy who ran it was a bit of an entrepreneur. And he decided that Twin Galaxies was going to be the mecca, the central hub of all high schools in the world. They were going to keep track of all the high schools around all the arcades in all the world and have a massive high score table. Leaderboard. Yeah. yeah okay. So people would have to come or to Twin Galaxies to do all these high school competitions or send in videos that they could verify that you reached a high school on a certain game and they would put you on the leaderboard. So people, because arcade machines were massive at the time, everyone was into it, this became a real challenge. And there was this 
guy that came along, his name is Tim McVeigh. He was a kid, a bit of a loser. And he put, put a coin in, into a nibbling machine, proceeded to get a billion points. Um, and Nibbler was one of the few games that had enough kind of digits in it so yep. you can get a billion points. So it was almost the unattainable so unlike goal. YouTube's play count, which broke when Gangnam Star got to two billion. Yeah, exactly. It had enough. It had enough, right. had enough uh, digits. Um, so it was always the aim for anyone to, to get to a billion. But everyone thought, okay, you're going to need to spend millions of pounds, millions of coins yep. to get there. But this, this guy did it. Um, so lucky he did that in Twin Galaxies. So it was recorded. He became an international celebrity. He was in all the papers. This kid, I think it was like 15 or something. Um, it was in the summer of 1983. And he, uh, yeah, he became world-renowned in all the papers. Uh, TV crews were down there. Yeah. It was a big... You can't even imagine that if you've got a high score and something now. You, you'd no get, one cares. Yeah. And like in Australia, you'd be a Someone will beat you within, within, within a exactly. day. Your score's off the top, isn't it? So this guy... He done it. He got a little bit of fame. What he got for for doing that is his very own nibbler machine. So wow. that so that sat in his house for decades, basically. Yep. He never he, he was sick of it. He's, he's already reached the pinnacle of uh, of of nibbler. He didn't really need to revisit it again. Then, in the two thousands, um, he found out that a couple of weeks after. Um, he got that high score and it was reported all around the world. A guy in Italy beat his score, but because he was in Italy, it never really kind of filtered down I- into popular culture. No one America, ever found yeah. out about it. And like like kind of the Americans tend to do, if it isn't part of the kind of... If they don't like it, we're not going to tell yeah, you about it. If it's not part of their storyline, then it gets it goes missing. I don't think that's just America. That's, that's <laughs> generally worldwide as well, in fairness. Okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, so... This guy, Tim McVeigh, follows him around now, being a bit pissed off with this, and being like, no, 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 I don't, I don't believe he got that score. Where's the evidence? Where is the evidence? So this documentary shows him the evidence. This guy, he was filmed getting the high score. So Tim McVeigh's like, okay, I'm now a 40-plus-year-old man. I'm going to go back. I'm going to beat the high, beat his high score in Nibbler. Re-obtain yeah. the highest score yeah. in the game. And like, he, he, works a normal jo- he now works a normal job, um, I think it's like maintenance work or something. Um, and people don't even know he at one time had a level of fame that was the equivalent of David Hasselhoff. <laughs> he's, he's occurred in a lot of podcasts recently. Yeah, yeah big fan. Um, so this documentary, Man vs. Snake, is about Tim McVeigh trying to reclaim his throne as King of Nibbler. So this is real? This is real. This, 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 this sounds, actually happened. Yeah. Because it sounds... It's just believable. Be, it yeah. sounds just believable, but it sounds also a little bit far-fetched. It does, but it, it's, it's genuine. And um, I don't know if you're aware of another documentary that's on Netflix, a very popular documentary called King of Kong, which is a similar story, which is about um, people trying to get high scores on, on uh, Donkey, Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong, yeah. Yeah. And from that documentary, that a guy um, became had prominence. His name was Billy Mitchell. He's a mullet-haired Lothario... Who, who choice of words. yeah, who uh, is basically the best at Donkey Kong, or he was for many, many years, and he pops up in this documentary too, like to give to give uh, Tim McVeigh some advice, um, saying that he can do it, and it's great to see Billy Mitchell. If, if you Google Billy Mitchell, if you have a chance, he's he's great, um, and yeah, so this, this documentary follows the kind of training. A bit yep. like Rocky, so Tim McVeigh has to train yep. to kind of do it, um, and. 
it is one of the most emotional, roller coaster heavy documentaries. You go on the journey I've with seen. Him. Yeah, you really, really do. And you wouldn't think so. And even if you do not like arcade machines, that whole world, that whole mentality, you think it's geeky, you'll enjoy it. It's just a drama. Um, and it's really worth watching. And it's available uh, currently on Netflix. It got on Netflix about six months ago. And I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. And watch it. Just, just watch it. It's great. Um, Man versus Snake. Man versus Snake. Not what I thought it was when you first said it, I'll be <laughs> no. honest. That's my first pick of what to watch on Netflix. Rob, what is your first pick okay. of what to watch on Netflix? So my first pick probably needs a little bit of explaining as to why I picked it. Oh, um, okay. No, no, no. It's it's to do with my music background. Is it so... sex, in, sex in the City? Are you, are you go, well, traversing podcasts yeah, to throw I, Sex in the I, City I, at me? I didn't want to... I didn't... Yeah, I didn't want to be busted, but yes, it's sex... No, it's not. Okay. Um, it's called Whiplash. Okay. I go straight in there. It's called Whiplash. Now, yes. I am, I've seen it. It's I, great. I am a musician of hobby level. I don't do this professionally, but I enjoy playing musical instruments. I enjoy listening to you music. Do. Yeah. Um, it's the reason why I work in radio. Um, and, and so and, the reason uh, you work in radio, and uh, in case, am I allowed to say where you work? Yeah, absolutely. Rob works, um, he has a BBC breakfast show, and he, uh, so it's the reason why you got into radio, so you can play your own music. Not, so eventually not you're my own go, music, no. Oh, but the new the number music one, I like. Rob Jelly. Well, I've written a couple of songs, but okay, here we go. Mind. Here we go. Anyway, but what comes my, out now? My, my main my main purpose is yeah. I like I like sharing music. I like the power that music has. Yeah. Um. And when I was when I was a you know knee height to a grasshopper, I remember growing up with the, the hits of the eighties and that's what my parents played. Yeah. Um. And one particular artist and one particular song of one particular album, I can pinpoint it to a precise moment in my life. Cardi the Locomotion, like everyone else. Absolutely right, not. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. It was, in fact, the drum duet performed by Genesis, Phil Collins and Chester Bennington, uh, wow. live on the Way We Walk tour of 1991, when I first oh, wow. heard a seven and a half minute drum duet. Okay. And unless you're a drummer, it's of no interest to any man or dog. Yeah. And I wasn't at seven years of age. Uh-huh. Five, five or six years of age, yeah. in fact. Um, but I heard it, and I all I wanted to do from the moment I heard that song yeah. was to learn to play the drums. Wow, okay. Um, I was just obsessed with bashing stuff um, okay. in a musical sense, not a violent I've sense. I've seen you with that Coke ball today. Uh, well, yeah, I've thrown just, that around a bit. You know, yeah, I got smash! scared. Um, and when I finally got the chance to go to secondary school, there was a drum teacher there. I got lessons, and I was taught for sort of six, seven years. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I, I, for a little while, I had a little couple of school bands here and there that I played with and whatnot. And I kind of sort of started taking it a little bit more seriously. We did a little bit of songwriting together and things, the sort of like late teens and yeah. things, a bit of a kind of emotional stage of our lives, of course. Um, but for me, it was merely just a hobby. It was merely a pure love of, of just being able to make music, share music, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, and I still play drums to the day, to this day. In fact, I was only playing this afternoon. I had a little little drum session to myself this uh-huh. afternoon. Um, dust off the cobwebs. I haven't played for a few weeks, so mm-hmm. me, my hands are a little bit sore today. Because which of... which is similar to what happens in Whiplash. Absolutely, indeed. Because uh, essentially, the story of Whiplash is, and I have to write. Get the notes here. Excuse me one second. Nineteen-year-old yeah. uh, Andrew Neiman wants to be the greatest jazz drummer in the world. Now, for those who are not musicians and those who don't play drums, yeah. jazz drumming is the hardest thing you can do on the drums. It's the most difficult challenge style. accepted. Um, and he wants to be in the league of Buddy Rich. And again, this is this is quite a specific sort of film to watch. But if you are if you are interested in music, if you if you ever played a musical instrument and you've 
If you ever wanted to be really grade good five at double anything, bass. I find I, really. I'm grade five double bass. Yeah. I am learning things about you at a rate of knots that is making you possibly deity level. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I let Rob know that I used to work for Cirque du Soleil. Um, yeah, and I'm. And you're grade, grade five double bass. Yeah. So we're going to start a band. <laughs> I am losing my will to live, but but this yeah. is it. But like you know, it's the inspiration when you see someone else doing really well at something. It should inspire you, you know. And I've yeah. I've been to drum shows where I've seen people demonstrate the the, the skills, techniques that it takes to play whatever they play. Mm-hmm. Um, and at times you walk away and you go, "I am never going to be that good." Yeah. And this movie's all about how he see, I never he has this that. passion. Really? I always think if if I see something cool, I'm like. I can do that. Oh, yeah. It. I mean, yeah. majority of me thinks, yeah, I, 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 it inspires me to want to be better. Yeah. You know, pretty much everything I see, I don't try to take anything negatively. You know, you do see incredible things by incredible mm-hmm. people in all sorts of fields, you know, whether it's sporting, uh, whether it's music or whatever it is. And it should all be inspirational. And, and essentially, that's what this movie is about. It's about wanting to be the greatest drummer of all time. And I've got, sorry, I've got, put my notes down to the side. That was a bad idea. Um, <laughs> And, I mean, it's a 2014 film. Um, yeah. I think it was released on Netflix in 15, so uh, bear with. But Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons, the lead in this. Yeah. He didn't know how to play the drums before acting in this movie. Yeah. Let's make that very clear. Mm-hmm. He learned how to play the drums for this movie. There's no drumming double. Uh, yeah. It is legitimately, he went away and learned. And he went to learn the hardest style of drumming there is known to matter that is jazz drumming yeah. it's, it's not, well, you don't even hold the sticks the same way that's, yeah. that's the fundamental difference with jazz you don't even hold it like you would hold a stick. you pick sticks up you just hold them like you would hold a paintbrush yeah, yeah, yeah. but with jazz you hold it in a completely wrong style it's totally uncomfortable mm-hmm. totally weird yeah. and it's it is mind blowing um, yeah it's because like, the director Damien Chazelle he, he's a drummer himself so he's he's uh, basically this is almost like his story type yeah, type deal, yeah. he's telling his story through yeah, the, yeah absolutely uh, and, and essentially the movie follows his journey of learning um, you know being pushed and pushed and pushed to the limits mm-hmm. um, and the towards the end of the movie you get a performance on stage he's playing with a full orchestra yeah. um, and there's a part where you know, and, and the thing is with drummers, you, you tend to find that, okay, there's lots of jokes about drummers, yada, 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 but yeah. they are the, the core of the, the music. They hold it to a steady pace and they Would never call- really get the highlight. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah. but this movie... Unless you feel Collins, that is. Of course, unless you feel <laughs> Collins. Um, uh, but this, this movie puts the spotlight on the drummer for this particular moment and it all leads up to that moment where the piece of music breaks and... It, go, it, it all breaks down, including the drums, and it drops to nothing. And yeah. then he sits down, and he completely freestyles yeah. at that moment in time. The composer stood there, um, and he's looking and going, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, this is the break in the music. But he starts just to freestyle solo on the yeah. drums. And it's all real, legitimate. And, and it's, it's incredible. Really, yeah. It really is incredible. And it's a proper inspirational movie. Yeah. Uh, about an hour and 45 minutes, so mm-hmm. it's not a super long movie. Um, it was a short first, wasn't it? Like, Damon Chazelle, he, he made a short... Uh, of Whiplash and it got really popular um, and therefore made it into a feature yeah I know how that feels um, and uh, <laughs> and it, and, it, and I think you know for me uh, having watched it as a musician even as a hobby kind of musician yeah um, you watch it and you think I just want to go now practice <laughs> yeah. I just want to be better yeah um, I want to be better at everything yeah. you know it really does inspire you to push on um, and I, yeah, it's, it's, I just, I, I thoroughly re- it's a bit like to me it reminds me of Rocky 
where it's yeah. like the real kind of slightly less cheesy, just less cheesy. Yeah, um, and I like how the 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 his kind of like romantic interest in it is Supergirl, the girl who plays Supergirl. I didn't know yeah. that. Who's who's awesome? I can't remember what her name is, but she's awesome. Um, yeah, and obviously um, after this, Damien Chazelle he went on to do La La Land, which is again it's about a jazz musician. Uh, yeah, m- uh, yeah, again musical movie which has done incredible things at um, box offices around the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Whiplash. Uh, go uh, go and check it out. It's great choice. If you if you haven't seen Whiplash before, it's available on Netflix. It is available on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and probably others as well. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just one of those. It's one of those peculiar movies that you probably you've heard of, yeah. heard someone talk about it, but probably gone, yeah, whatever. Uh, J.K. Simmons is is, is unbelievable. Great actor. It? Yeah, yeah. He's great. Um, he's also in, uh, I mentioned Oz on another podcast, and he's in Oz as well. He plays oh, a, right. a, a neo-Nazi in Oz. A little bit role. different. Slightly, slightly different. There's, there's some crossover. Um, <laughs> uh, there you go. There's my uh, my first recommendation. That is a, a great choice, Rob. Thank you very much. My second choice of what to watch on Netflix is a horror film. Yes, I understand. Oh, like, this, is, this is a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I understand. You guys are waiting for it, but yeah. But it's a horror film with a little bit of a difference because, one... Um, it isn't a real classic horror. There isn't... It's not supernatural... I guess there's the serial killer element to it as well. But it doesn't start off like that. It starts off like a, just like a teen drama. It's called All the Boys Love Mandy Lane. And it was a 2006 uh, film directed by Jonathan Levine. And it sta- stars um, in her first film, I believe, Amber Heard. Really? Yes. Um, and the reason why this has kind of gone under people's radar and why I really want to promote this film out there is... Um, it basically didn't get released properly. It was it was made. Uh, obviously, Amber Heard wasn't uh, a f- how big she is now. It got made, and then problems with the distributors or like the pr- production meant that it was kind of shelved for a little while. So it didn't actually come into. It, it, the people weren't couldn't watch it for years and years and years. So it was just kind of like shelved. And in the meantime, Amber Heard got more famous with yep. all the roles she's had. Um, but she's like pretty young in, in this. Um, what it's about, all the boys love Mandy Lane, is about this very very popular girl um obviously because it's amber heard who all the boys love her yeah as the title suggests uh but she's not interested in, in in any of them um she is your typical kind of um almost like an 80s film virgin where like she's she doesn't realize how pretty she is okay um but all the boys are obsessed with her so all the boys all they want to do prom queen yeah all they want to do is get with her but she like she just pushes them away so the boys engineer an idea to to get and this this sounds really kind of lame but they engineer an idea to have a party and then at least one of them can can kind of get with her um but she doesn't really want to go to these parties but she kind of peer pressured into it by the rest of the cheerleaders did i mention she's she's like a no she's a track and field runner so the rest of her kind of track and field team persuade to go to this party during this party um, she goes with her best friend, who's a boy, kind of a geeky boy, and the other boys who want to get with Amber Heard are like, no, no, you can't bring your f- geeky boy f- uh, friend along with you because this is like for cool people. And she's like, well, I'm not going to go if he's not allowed. So they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, he can come then. So she goes there, and this geeky boy is, you can tell like, well, from his actions, that he's kind of into Amber Heard. Mm. Um, so he just gets really, really drunk because he's watching all these boys hitting her all the time, and he probably doesn't have the confidence to do it himself so while this happens one particular boy is really on Amber Heard's case and uh, he 
the, the, the geeky friend convinces the boy that what Amber Heard will like is if he jumped off the roof into the pool. Amber <clears> Heard will love that. So the boy goes, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. Girl, you, by the way, girls love that. Girls love Just generally, girls yeah. love that. Um, Nat. So the boy jumps off, hits his head on the corner of the pool as he goes down. Bingo. The guy's gone. The guy's a goner. So that's kind of like the first kind of main sequence of, of the film. Um, and then um, that kind of, a little bit later, um, another thing happens where all of them decide to go on a trip out of town altogether. So you've got the... And in the meantime, because this is how Amber Heard is pissed off with her best Will you mate. you keep the noise down out there, for goodness <laughs> sake? Yeah. Um, so Amber Heard is, is... She's pissed off with her geeky best friend. Right. So she goes off with all these cool kids and, and basically doesn't speak to this geeky friend anymore. She's there with all these cool kids at this uh, cabin in the woods type, type situation. Typical American. Food. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Okay. And they do like typical skinny dipping type things. Yeah, drinking. And, like, yeah, and you're thinking, okay, this is a, this is a typical kind of American teenage thing. movie. Oh, yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. One by one, they start dying, um, and in the most kind of gruesome ways. And then obviously, like you're thinking, this this geeky guy who was a best friend is wants revenge for them pushing his love away, basically. So you see the kind of cool people in Amber Heard in this house, and one, when one of them ventures outside, they get killed in, in, in a gruesome way. Um, but again, I don't want to give any spoilers, no. but, but it's not as cut and dry as you think. Um, it has quite an interesting reveal, um, and I think the deaths... It, the, the main thing about horror film is how people die, the set pieces of how people die. It is like... It's like it's like a, a like a music like a it's like a dance in, in a musical basically. It's judged on these particular things, and horror films are judged on the level of the kills, the inventiveness, because people die in films all the time. We, yeah, you have to do something different. So there are some really inventive ways uh, how people die in this film, and this is a really low budget film. Um, but just because it's got Amber Heard in it, it's uh, I think it's it's making it's making some money. Um, yeah, it was actually originally made for seven hundred and fifty grand. Um, wow, that is a low budget for a film. It is, especially in two thousand six. Yeah, but it's like quadrupled. It's, it's, it's at least quadrupled its uh, its budget by now. Um, but yeah, I just think it's a real kind of small, low budget film. Just happens to stars one of the biggest female uh, actresses in the world right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a lot more clever than you think it is. So don't go into it thinking, "Oh, this is your typical um, horror film." It's really not. It's, it's very clever. And Amber Heard, you can see why she's so big now. She's really good in it. Um, and that's All the Boys Love Mandy Lane, which is, uh, it was on Netflix UK, but now it's not. Now it's on Netflix US. And um, if you're in the UK, uh, you can stream it um, on or you, to buy on iTunes at the moment. It's 2 99 which is relatively cheap. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and that was my second choice. Rob, what is your second choice of what? Well, I'm going for something quite similar, actually, uh, okay. to that. Um, I'm going for uh, some stand-up comedy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I'm a big fan of stand-up yeah, comedy. I think I, I mentioned this last time. Yeah. And um, in fact, I've, I have two stand-up comedies for you okay. uh, to share. But my first one to put to you now um, is Stuart Lee. Awesome. Uh, Stuart Lee, uh, 41st best stand-up ever. Which I this think is, is one of the best stand-up. Uh, names pe- it's, yeah it's and a- piece and stand, stand-up documentaries that there has ever been are, I think it's amazing there are many reasons I like it yeah. um, number one Stuart Lee is quintessentially 
He's my favourite stand-up comedian. I'll go. Wonderful. Yeah. He, he's, he has a, this way about him. He, he knows he's funny. Yeah. Um, and doesn't pretend to hide it. He does sort of smirk at his own stuff because he knows what the punchline is. I think it, even at one point he does a whole... He got halfway through the joke and he starts laughing to himself. He goes, so uh, it's funny. I know what happens. Um, and, and obviously that's the part, you know, and it becomes a part of the joke as well. Um, yeah. and, it's, and I think it was as well, particularly about this one, it's filmed in a very small venue. So yeah. it's very intimate. Um, at one point he completely gives up on the microphone. Uh, I think he puts it down on the stool or back yeah. on the stand. And he just wanders around the audience, uh, putting like his hand on their head and just, you know, with a beer in hand. And he just starts basically raising his voice. He doesn't shout as such, but he's yeah. talking louder so people can hear him. Um, it's just, it's odd. Yeah. Well, I think... He is a very odd character. And I think that the great thing about uh, Stuart Lee is ever since he kind of came to prominence in the 90s on things like um, um, uh, Good Morning with Richard, Not Judy. What's it called again? Oh, uh, yeah. Fist I know, of yeah, Fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, and all I those. I can't remember the name of it now. Yeah. Um, he, he's kind of had the same style the entire time it, where when he was young it was shown as arrogance now it's kind of turned into a, a bit of like an old man bitterness yeah well, uh, words out of my mouth yeah. I was going to say yeah for, uh, he's never really changed his style yeah from only all the stuff I've seen of his mm-hmm. but it seems like because he's now of a, a, a certain age you know yeah. he's in these sort of 40s and such and it's kind of acceptable to be that slightly middle aged grumpy man yeah. thing which actually he was when he was like 20 yeah he was just old before his time, as it yeah. were, and he didn't have the right face for it. But now he does. <laughs> now he's got the exact right face. Yeah, his, his face mentality. is a bit sort of. I'm going to use the word worn, uh, but it's, you know what I mean. I don't mean that in a rude way. I I'm mean, sure he loves you too, Rob. Well, you know, some of us have been blessed with the baby <laughs> face. Um, I can't help it. Some of us get ID'd for alcohol still, <laughs> only 15 years <laughs> after they shouldn't do. Um, but That's because you're wearing bikinis. Well, this is the problem. Yeah. You see, this is Check probably... Rob's Twitter. Yeah. Um, so... um, will you please stop pointing people I'm towards sorry. the bikini photo on Twitter? It's, just, it's not going to do my credibility any good. It doesn't need any more damaging. Um, but, but he, I mean, he tells stories about his life. Um, yeah. He tells joke, observational sort of jokes as well. But he, he relives old work that he's done yeah. and retells yeah. the stories yeah. about... He does a... He does a thing to an uh, at an insect. Um, um, I can't remember this. Uh, I'm just trying to think of the, like basically it's an insect conference. So it's spe- so insect specialists from around the world yeah. are gathering at this um, venue to to do a talk on insects. Now, for some strange reason, I can't remember exactly the context of it. You'll have to look it up. But okay. he gets invited to do some stand up for them. Uh-huh. So he thinks. I'll do some insect jokes. <laughs> um, and basically turns out that he gets the slight pronunciation of the, what they specialise in right. wrong. Um, and he turns up and does a load, he has a load of jokes uh, dressed as a fly. I think he's dressed as a fly. <laughs> uh, and it's wrong. He's got the wrong context altogether. Right, right, or, or it right. falls apart. I, it, it's, it's a situation that when someone tells you, you just think you're, you're curling up into a ball listening to it, thinking, I want the world to swallow me, hearing the story from you that happened 10 years ago. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, he's a storyteller more than anything he else. He is a very good storyteller. And he also, he kind of breaks down the conventions of normal stand-up comedy because, you know, when, he, when he, people say, like, it's not funny if you have to explain the joke... Oh, he he doesn't care. He likes breaking down his joke to a granular granular level. He really does until it's not a joke anymore. Until he shows you all the moving parts and his workings out. Yeah. Um, I also love in in from what I remember, there is a sequence where he uh, goes 
into the racism scandal. Do you remember from a few Big years brother, ago? Big yes. Brother, yeah. There was the Shilpa Shetty kind of racism scandal where one of the other people um, was racist towards her. And he breaks it breaks that situation down in the funniest way. For instance... I think the Carphone Warehouse was involved. Yeah, because Carphone Warehouse at the time sponsored Big Brother. Big Brother, that's um, right. So he read out the statement that Carphone Warehouse um, had to say following uh, the, the, the racism. When, when they said um, Carphone Warehouse wishes to distance itself from any racism on Big Brother, <laughs> that is, it's totally... Was it the totally opposite... Racism is it's to- a wording. It's a pro- yeah. it's, it sounds like a phone contract. Where if you've ever <laughs> yeah. if you've ever taken a contract out with anyone, like a car lease or a phone, um, any anything like that, you know the wording's very particular for yeah. the industry it's in. It just sounds like that's a, how they a dealt with the racism pitch. scandal. It's yeah, a yeah. sales pitch for buying a mobile phone, but done about basically distancing distancing themselves from some racism on the television yeah. but uh, I mean it, you're right he breaks things down he's a very very talented storyteller um, and I also just think just before you even start 41st yeah. best stand up ever yeah you know and he, and he tells that story as well because he was actually 41st on the list and he, and he and he goes through the list he goes up about five or six places and goes yeah I can't believe I was lower than so and so and he really make, milks it like a I mean, he's rubbish. I mean, on the, I mean, I don't mind being below so you know X or Y, but but Z really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> um, and and he sort of it's that kind of grumpy old man thing, and 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 it is brilliant. It's an hour, about an hour and twenty minutes. It was filmed in two thousand and eight. Yeah. Um, in front of, I say, very small audience, and I think that adds to it as well. Yeah, I, I, think I so, like yeah. I like very big. Intimate. I like the big comedy uh, comedy specials on Netflix. I've I've watched many of them. Yeah. Um, but there's something. That's why I kind of picked that one today is because it's got that something different about it. Yeah, it's right, filmed yeah. in a very small theatre and I've seen yeah. a couple of shows myself. It's quite old, isn't it? It's like maybe 10 years old. Well, it? yeah, 2008, yeah. It's nearly, yeah, yeah. nearly 10 years old now. It, it's just... it's it's For just me, that's, thing of, that's the ultimate stand-up it's to very, watch. It's yeah. intimate as well. It, you know, it feels quite intimate when you watch it yeah. because you know it's in a small room. You feel like you're kind of in it with him. Yeah. Have you uh, seen Stuart Lee live? I've all. never been to see him live, no. I've seen him a few times. But He's I, it would, just it, it'd be a comedian I would happily go and see, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, he might be playing a secret show sometime in the near Shh, future. Secret. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you off this. Yeah. Um, so there you go. My second suggestion is Stuart Lee's 41st Best Stand-Up Ever, which you can uh, watch now on Netflix. Excellent. Um, my third choice, and some may say the last choice of this episode, um, is I'm going something com- completely different. Um, it is a film called Three O'Clock High. Now, this film is from 1987, um, and it's kind of like a high school comedy film, but it's not like a John Hughes high school comedy film. Um, it's slightly different. It's directed by a guy called Phil Jonu, who I didn't know anything about phil jonu but he's done no nor have i um the only thing he's kind of done since then that i'm aware of is a is rattle and hum which i believe is the u2 um documentary yes the claw claw tour I have I have no idea. Um, I might have made that up. Sorry, but <laughs> the, no, they did. The they claw did. Tour? Yeah, they they had a claw. The stage setup looked like a like a like a claw. Oh, they had okay. the four um, curvature um, sort of rigs on the corners of the stage. Oh, I see. They, with the camera they, that goes round. 
Uh, well, not necessarily that, but because they were in the centre of stadiums, they ah. were doing it from the centre of stadiums. Oh, they okay, built the stage in a way that they could have a roof on it if they needed to, and obviously yeah. rack the sort of speakers up as well as visuals. Awesome. Um, I'm sure it was. I'm, I might have been calling it Clawtor for no reason, but <laughs> it, for me, in my head, that's it's what like it was. saying Clawtor. Um, so I this do. film, Three O'clock High, is um, essentially an, an 80s high school comedy. And the thing that I love about this film is it's no one knows about this film. Um, it's always it's always something that appears on like people's lists um, of like most underrated films. Or every now and again, you read a film. I read a lot of film blogs, um, and, and someone kind of references it and says, "Oh yeah, it's a bit like Three O'clock High." And in the comments, people say, Three O'clock High. What's that? What? What's that? Yeah. Yeah. So let me give you a kind of the very brief kind of overview of what Three O'clock High is about. It is think you've seen Ferris Bueller, right? Yes. Think Ferris Bueller. But if Ferris Bueller was his mate, um, so it's someone who, right. yeah, you know, you know Cameron, who was basically a loser. Yeah. So what if the main character of Ferris Bueller was his loser mate instead, and Ferris Bueller didn't exist? So everything he's trying to do <laughs> okay, yeah. in this school was a disaster. He w- he wakes up, drives to school, crashes the car. Yeah. Okay. He right. goes into school, messes messes stuff up. Yeah. This is kind of this character, and his name's Jerry. Um, and basically he goes into the school toilet near the start and he gets into an accidental fight with the school bully and the school bully tells him, right, I'm going to meet you at three o'clock and we're going to fight in front of everyone. And then Jerry's like, no, 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 please play Like, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I'll take it back. I'll do anything. And the bully, he just wants to fight three o'clock, be there or I'll come and find you and make it worse. I'll kill you. So this whole film is about from morning journey from till three o'clock, how Jerry is going to get out of this fight, the, all the scams he's trying to pull off to get out of this fight, all the little tricks he, he, he does. And it's great because you, you can really see yourself in this situation. You accidentally get into a situation where a guy who's much bigger than you wants to fight you and you can't get out of it. What do you do? Do you, do you go to the gym and train, do some push-ups? Do you, do, you, do you tell a teacher and then become the school grass and then you'll get even more trouble? Do you just run home? Do you pull a sickie? He tries all of this. <laughs> he tries all of this. And the end of it, he results in the three o'clock coming round and you find out whether or not he gets out of it. I don't, obviously don't want to spoil it, but like um, the, the, the film's called Three O'Clock High for a reason. Um, it's a bit like those westerns, like like High Noon, where there's a specific time. It's in the title. Yeah. As soon as you get there, you know, S is going to come down. <laughs> um, but the, um, the 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 kind of great uh, central performance of the guy who plays Jerry is by a guy called Casey Simazzo, who I've not really seen before, but he has uh, been in Back to the Future and Back to the Future Two. He plays. Do you remember Three D? The guy with three D glasses in Back to the Future, Back to the Future Two. Vaguely. One of Biff's gang. He just always wears 3D glasses. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. That's Casey Samasso, who is the main... Like, so he's basically, in a Back to the Future style film, a couple of years later, or oh, actually one year later, uh, playing the main character. Uh, he was also in Stand By Me and Young Guns and all those kind of 80s films. Um, I think he's great. And I, I'm, I just want to... As soon as I watch this film, I want to track down everything he's ever been in. Luckily, Back to the Future, Back to the Future 2 big films but he's also done a lot of smaller roles as well he is an absolute revelation um and it's a shame i mean he's still not too not too old now he should be in more films he's he's amazing um and also just 
the, the great thing about this film is just the, the tension it builds up. Again, like the Westerns, like High Noon, yep. the tension escalates and escalates. You see the clock ticking. You see the character looking at the clock and you know it's only got... a countdown thing, yeah, isn't it? Like it's only got, it's only got an hour to, to think of something. Now he's only got 20 minutes. Now it's 15 minutes away. What's he going to do? Um, and this whole film is full of the most interesting, inventive ways of this kid trying to get out of fight, fighting this bully. Do you find yourself watching it and thinking of other things he could do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking. Right. Okay. What would I do in this situation? Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. So you end like, up putting yourself. In every, that. Every, every time I think that, he tries it. It's like he hears, hears me. Um, I mean, the only thing you can really do is um, maybe go to the bully a bit earlier and knock him out while he's not looking. I'm not suggesting you do it. If you're listening and you're in school and someone wants to fight you, do not go to a teacher. Go just, to a teacher. Just go and tell the teacher. But if you're in prison, go to the, the biggest guy, smack him in the face first day. <laughs> You've got to do that. You've got to do it. I cannot stress hard enough. If you're in prison, you're listening to this, go up to the biggest guy Hang now. On. If you're in prison, listen to this. How? They've got computers and stuff now. They can listen to podcasts. True. Yeah. Go, go do to they the, have Netflix as well, though? I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe it's either, like kind of a, a, a low, low category definition pr- prison. Yeah, go to the ca- go. Go to the yeah. Just just hit that big guy now. That's what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, he um, he 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 gets into himself in his sticky situation through no fault of his own, besides being the ultimate loser, the opposite, the anti Ferris Bueller. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's just a really really good film. The soundtrack is great, um, and it's the, one of the most underrated films. Um, I've ever seen uh, and I think everyone should watch it um, and again when it came out no one really cared about it and now no one really cares about it besides a few kind of uh, people who and you and me yeah um, but hopefully anyone who's listening to this will track down uh, 3 o'clock high right now um, luckily it's available to stream in full on YouTube um, I don't think it's on Netflix well, I've only checked the UK it's not on the UK's Netflix but you can stream the whole thing on YouTube quite easily all right. Yeah. Nice. And that's my final choice of what to watch on Netflix straight YouTube so, right now. <laughs> What's my, your final choice, Rob? My final choice for what to watch, and you can watch this on Netflix. Yeah. Um, it's another stand-up comedy to mention. Um, quite a new one as well. Okay. Uh, you might have heard of this guy, Trevor Noah. He yeah, does a he, chat show in America. Yeah, it's like a big deal in America. Yeah, right? absolutely. There's quite a lot of sort of late-night chat shows uh, that deal with current affairs um, and try and address them in humorous ways Uh, the likes of Trevor Noah you've got John Oliver as well who's Mm -hmm. a Brit over in America love John Um, Oliver but this is Trevor Noah's stand up yeah Um, so this is away from everything else it's just him on the stage telling some jokes see I've seen I've seen his his late night talk show I find him a little bit annoying is he as annoying when he does his stand up no I agree I don't it's not I don't like his chat show I just find it very um, it feels like he's reading off the, you know what? Off it, the auto cue. It, it, well, that's exactly what he's doing. But, but, but it feels too scripted, whereas yeah. it feels very natural when he's on stage, just him and the microphone. So he's talking about his, his life experiences, yeah, right? Absolutely, okay. he is. And um, the one thing I'm going to bring up, uh, which hopefully will sell it, uh, because I, I, I was roaring with laughter yeah. when I heard him do it first time, I had to stop it because I missed so much of it for laughing. Okay. Um, Trevor is an incredibly talented. Uh, impressionist he can do accents from around the world so well it's yeah. it's remarkable it's possibly one of his things you know he's obviously spent time working on it yeah. um and he does this amazing sketch the whole show is brilliant mm-hmm. um and he uses the phrase afraid of the dark once 
And that's what the show is called. So it's okay. Trevor Noah's Afraid of the Dark. Right. He just uses it once in one little clip in the right in the middle of the, the stand-up. Okay. And it becomes the title of the thing. But it all ties in and it all makes sense when you watch it from start to finish. Okay. But there's one thing he does. He does... Um, he does it about voices because he's talking about you know how he likes to mess with people and do accents and obviously right. So first things first, he's a South African, born yeah. South African. It's quite a strong South African accent as well. Lives in America. Yeah. So he's got a sort of twang between South Africa and New Yorky kind of thing going on, and he can thicken mm-hmm. either one at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does this whole thing about how accents have power. So yeah. he talks about the Scottish accent. He talks about the English accent, the Russian accent. Uh, and he also talks about um, being a man who was born in South Africa and having Nelson Mandela as the first black prime minister, yeah. uh, president, sorry. And and then obviously living in America when Barack Obama became president as well. Yeah. So he said, I've lived in two countries and seen two first black presidents <laughs> in my life. And being a man of both not nationalities as such, he's considered himself to be sort of part American because he's lived there a long time. Yeah. Um, he says that he once saw a photo, uh, and I believe this is to be true, but what okay. he then tells afterwards he makes up. But he see a, he's seen a photo of the very first time that Barack Obama met Nelson Mandela, mm-hmm. way before he was even on the political like radar. Yeah. He was uh, a junior, t- junior senator at the time, trying to like, rally some support together, sort of start getting himself known for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, he, and he then basically acts out this sketch about what he thinks happened the day that they met. Okay. He, said, he said it's a very powerful photo. He said if you ever get a chance to find it, and I've never, I haven't myself found it, but yeah. he said it's a beautiful photo where you see Barack Obama standing there, sort of one hand on the backrest of his chair, and Dalai Lama. Sorry, um, Nelson Mandela is sat down because he's been doing a whole day of press stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so he then relays this this conversation. So. He, he plays Nelson Mandela. He plays Barack Obama. But he plays nice. Barack Obama as a junior senator. I'm not even going to attempt to do any voices at this point for fear of just humiliating myself and, yeah. and offending many, many people. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but he does this really kind of stereotypical young black kind of American like, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. it's so good to meet you, man. And that kind of thing. So he, opened he said me. he wasn't going to do it. I and said he I did it. And I did it anyway. Um, so, but he does that and he comes out and he does how like, that's how Barack Obama comes in. Cause he's very yeah. excited. He's, you know, he's like his idol and things like that. And then he does the Nelson man. I'm definitely not going to do the Nelson man. <laughs> although I do it quite often. It's, cause he, yeah, I do because it's funny. Yeah, it's yeah, funny. Yeah. I, like, I like, I say go for it. You Oh, Barack Obama. Uh, he, 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 he's he, not he's, Chinese. No, he's, no, he's he is not. not Chinese. But he has this husk and his breathiness in his voice, and, that, and that's essentially what he's doing. He's telling you about how the power of speech yeah. um, can put you in huge positions of authority. Yeah. Um, because he does this whole thing with Barack Obama's really young, and he's very excitable, and he's talking, and he's yeah. really up high up here, and he's really energetic, and he's slow down. And he does that whole thing of like Nelson Mandela's <laughs> voice. So, he, and he, but he switches from one to the other like yeah, so yeah. fast. And then, so he's, he's, he plays Nelson Mandela, and Nelson's trying to teach Barack Obama to bring the voice down in pitch, so he's not so up high and squeaky, and mm-hmm. he's slow it down, yeah. you know, t- talk deeper, I'm you know. Trying, yeah. And then, okay. and, and he just, and so all of a sudden, he goes from like, well, not all of a sudden, but gradually, you hear the tiniest little nuances of of the voice that we all know from the speeches that Barack Obama gave for eight years and his yeah. uh, as president, and then all of a sudden, right at the end. And he goes to the Nelson Mandela. He goes, oh, "You got it." Yeah. And, then, and he goes, "Yes, I can." And he does the the Barack Obama like really authoritative, yeah. strong Barack Obama voice. 
and it and it's just the most amazing sequence. Wow, it's like a it's like a like a character arc almost. Exactly, exactly May, that. And so it's a, a Noah's Ark. Eh? It is it's a beautiful way of describing it. Um, I've been trying to figure out how to fit, put that in for the last ten minutes. <laughs> it, it's about it's about seven or eight minutes of his show that he does spends doing this, yeah. but it is just one of the most. I'll watch Brilliant that. things, and I, yeah. and I, I, I might be honest with you. The reason I probably found it fascinating as well as funny was because I, I, I do genuinely believe that whole thing with the voice is so very true. Yeah. You hear someone's voice, and if they've got an accent that you, you personally consider to be maybe of lesser importance to yourself, mostly mm-hmm. lesser intelligence. Yeah. Um, it's wrong. It, you know, it is, and I, I don't care. I would say this with absolute confidence. You can't judge someone just because they talk with a certain accent. True. Some of the smartest yeah. people I know have got accents that you might not necessarily consider to be the most intelligent, but yeah. actually they are some of the smartest people I've ever come across mm-hmm. in my entire life. Yeah. Um, one person I know from the West Country uh, is now working for NASA. I'll leave it nice. at that. And that, so, uh, so I'm saying like you get that kind of reputation for a voice, and and I think that's why I kind of appreciated the skill in what he did yeah as well as the just the genius in and how funny it is it so is it sounds hilarious like it's educational as well as funny so. it really is yeah. And, yeah and as i say he he's obviously a south african um and he's black mm-hmm. and he goes to edinburgh he does the fringe festivals up there yeah and he goes into shops and he puts on a scottish accent and he go and obviously does the <laughs> does the retort between him and the sort of guy behind the counter he goes where are you from? And he, goes, <laughs> he, goes, and he goes, Edinburgh. And it's like, it's clearly not from Edinburgh. It's you not know? Chinese. No, he's not Chinese either. <laughs> okay. And all the other horrible accents I said I wouldn't do. Uh, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's yeah. very, very witty. Um, and considering it's, say, 2017, I think it was uh, just around, it was released just around the time of uh, Donald Trump's uh, inauguration as yeah, well. Yeah. So it was a change in political scenes as well. Yeah. He touches on a bit of that. I want to watch that. I want to watch his. It, it, it's, a, it's, it's so it's it's really really it's a proper eye opener, but it's also just hilariously funny. He's yeah. very very good, um, and if you've ever seen his chat show and you're a bit like, yeah, I don't really like him on that. Just don't don't take any of that preconception okay, yeah. in. Go and watch it as a stand up show, and I, and I think you'll enjoy it. It's it's really funny. I will do. Yeah, that's that's a great choice. Thank you. That was uh, your last. Trevor Noah, Afraid of the Dark, available on Netflix now. Perfect. Thanks very much. Um, and that brings us to the end of uh, what to watch on Netflix for this week. Rob, if people wanted to carry on the conversation, get in touch with you, ask you if Jelly really is your, your surname, how will they get in contact with you? Uh, well, if they want to uh, any one of those things, then yep. it's at the Jellyman, T H double E. J-E-L-L-Y-M-A-N, so Jellyman normally, but just T-H-E-E. Um, if you want to complain about my accents, um, then it's <laughs> at Jed Shepherd. Uh, you can find me <laughs> at Jed Shepherd, J-E-D-S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D, on Twitter and on Instagram too. Um, and all go to postpoppodcast.com to find out about all the other podcasts we do. I'm on a podcast called The Pilot with Rob. Uh, if you want to hear more of our banter, um, what other podcasts? There's Monkey Tennis, which I produce, which is probably one that you've heard of because that's the popular one. <laughs> then there's Smegheads I do with Daniela. Um, do I do some more? Yes, um, and I can't remember the names of them because I'm trying to think of the long list you yeah, do. I produce one called Empath of Least Resistance 2 for Annie Hardy from the band Giant Drag in LA, which is great as well. Um, but yeah, that is it for this week. Um, thanks very much for coming hey, on the show, Rob. Thanks for having me as always. A pleasure. Yeah, no problem. Uh, and we'll see you guys, well, I will see you guys next week. Rob, I don't know. Whenever. Yeah. No, we'll see you around. <laughs> 
See you later. Have a great day. Hey, in a while, crocodile. <laughs>